This is the Edge of Innovation, Hacking the Future of Business. I'm your host, Paul Parisi. And I'm Jacob Young. On the Edge of Innovation, we talk about the intersection between technology and business, what's going on in technology, and what's possible for business. Today, we're going to be talking about big data, a category that seems rather big and large and has a lot of parts to it. Hence the word big. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a big wheel. Yeah. Uh, so, so Paul, I've heard this term. Can you kind of fill it out for me? Because it's been related to Google and Facebook, which seems rather intimidating. Can you help us understand what exactly big data is and what it's used for? Well, it's big and it's data. <laughs> right. So that, that brings us to the close of our show for yeah, yeah, today. Yeah. Um, Thank you for listening, everybody. Yes. Well, okay. So big data is really happened after in the past 10 or 15 years where we realized that there are lots of little pieces of data out there. When you click on a website, you know, you, you open that website and you type in your name. That's all producing data. And if I gather those all up, it starts to get really unwieldy almost. The amount of clicks that you do, the the articles you read, the, the time at which you did that, what you spent at that store. All of these are attributes of big data. I think before we get into that, there is there's something that we need to talk about called metadata. Meta means information about the data. So metadata is the fact that I, let's say I go to Google, so I open the website and I type in, I want to find the best hat within 20 miles of me or the hat store. So now a lot of things just happened. I did it at a certain time. That's a piece of metadata. I typed in some words and I clicked enter and I have an IP address. So Google makes a note of that. This is, gee, this IP address just searched for the words hats and did it at 1.15 in the afternoon, for example. All of those things are metadata. It then Google then displays to me the answer to the query, you know, hats, and I then click on that. And I click on the first one that says red hats. In a perfect world, somebody might conjecture that I like red as opposed to the green hats that were second. So that whole concept of tracking all of those little bits of data make it very, very much big data. It's lots of little bits. So what does that mean? Well, if you were over my shoulder, you could have asked me the question, what is, why are you clicking on red hats? Do you like red? No, it was just the first link, so I clicked on it. Okay, well, that's sort of a false positive. Mm -hmm. But if I find out that you went to the store and bought a red shirt with your credit card, okay, now I have another data point mm -hmm. and I can start to correlate this. No, you bought a car and it's a red car. I can now start to begin to make a judgment that you might like the color red. So now right. I find out that you're shopping for boats. Right. And I'm Google. I'm going to put a picture of a red boat in the right-hand side for the ads. Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't you? Because you know that I like red. Why would you show me green ones when you know I don't like green? Maybe. It's the same thing where, you know, you meet somebody, you learn that, hey, this person really likes Star Trek, but doesn't like Battlestar Galactica. You know, <laughs> and boy, am I geeky here. Um, you know, or you go to somebody that, you know, doesn't like fish. Right. The number of people I can tell, you know, we live in New England. Oh, I don't like fish. Okay. You know, and you try and invite them over to have swordfish because it tastes like steak. And they're like, wait a minute, is this fish? <laughs> right. I was thinking recently about this whole idea of I like fish, but I don't like the taste of fish. Okay. You know, like. Fish are people too. Right. 
Well, it's like uh, I like I like to eat fish, but I don't like the taste of. You like how... the idea of eating? Yeah, fish. yeah, yeah. <laughs> or I like fish that doesn't taste like fish. Yeah. You know, well, like... then you should try swordfish. <laughs> we did that with a friend, a very good friend. We had swordfish, and he's like, "Is this fish?" Right. Right. <laughs> well, it is, and you know, so we knew that, and we were sort of pulling a fast one on him, but. Google, if you don't like fish, shouldn't show you fish recipes. Right. Because that's not a good thing. So mm-hmm. big data is takes all of those verbal and nonverbal cues that we as humans do. And, you know, you might have seen somebody reading Sports Illustrated. Okay, they're probably interested in sports. Right. And, and aggregates them and helps marketing people deliver information that's valuable to you. Mm-hmm. So I have a good friend who loves boats. And he's like... I don't care that they know it. In fact, I'm gr- glad. I want to see things that are relevant to boating on my Facebook feed because I'm interested in boats. Right. So that would give him a sense that, oh, this is cool. This is new in boating. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, a new law is passed. I need to know this. That's that's a benefit. So we're in this very infantile beginning of big data and utilizing it. And then you have to think about the actors involved in big data. What does Google do with it? Well, they sell ads. That's all that Google does is sell ads. They say that we can show your ad to people that love red boats. And you're sitting there saying, we make red boats and I really need to sell some red boats. So Google, if you can show this to somebody, I'll pay you a dime. Right. If you can show this to somebody and they click on it, I'll pay a dollar. That's how Google makes its money. Gotcha. That's, That's all they do. And as Tim Cook said, you know, if you're not paying for the product, you are the product. Right, right. They are selling the fact that you are interested in red boats. They say they do it anonymously. They don't tell who it is because they don't. And, and frankly, you know, red boat company doesn't care who's looking at their ads until they want to connect to them. Right. And then it's, I'm clicked. I'm on the red boat company page. I can then give my information and then they can contact me or I can contact them. So everything we've talked about up till now is dealing with good actors or sort right. of uh, passively not bad actors. And the real crisis comes in is when we have all of this history of data. What is a bad actor potentially going to do with it? So let's say that there, I mean, and we have historical precedents for the suppression of certain views. So if there was a regime, military regime to take over and say that we, you know, as absurd as this sounds, anybody who likes red boats, we're going to put them in prison. Well, now that data is out there about me that I like red boats. How do I control that? And it's insidious how I how can I control it? Mm-hmm. You know I can't uh, because it's in so many different places and it's right. not it's not set up there. And of course the government says, well, we would never do that. Same thing with healthcare. You know, the minute you f- they find out that oh your sibling or parent dealt with this, well that's big data. Now can we correlate to them having that issue? So we're going to charge them more for their health insurance rate because. There was a problem with uh, a well, sibling. And I imagine with that, specifically in that health insurance situation, there's big data associated with things. For example, if somebody had a, con- a genetic dis- disposition, sure. have a condition, yep. there are big data elements that go into realizing that person has that condition even before they're diagnosed with it. Absolutely. That would factor into right. how that insurance now interacts with that person. Right requiring us potentially to now make laws that say you can't use that right. big data in in setting your rates. Well, then what good is the big data except to the fact it might help you avoid the outcome? Right. All sorts of questions start to come about with the big data to to the in in a good actor society. Mm-hmm. It's all beneficial. 
It's right. all good things because if you don't like sports, let don't show me articles on sports. Don't send me, do you want to subscribe to Sports Illustrated? Right. You know, because it might cost them 50 cents to send you that card in the mail to say, why don't you subscribe? Well, that was wasted money on their right. part. Right. And it was annoyance for you because you had to throw it out. So big data helps us conquer that, but it also does very much so expose us to who knows what. So this seems rather large, and it seems like the more you kind of begin to poke on this, the big data category seems a bit monumental. What are the important things for small business owners, for entrepreneurs to understand about big data, and how can they use that? Well, it's vastly different. I mean, you can manipulate some of the big data engines out there. And if you go and search for, you know, let's say you want to buy a new stereo system and you search for it on certain websites, you will magically see stereo system ads start to appear over the mm-hmm. next few days. Right. Now, what's interesting about that to me is that they're smart enough to do that, but they're stupid enough to show you an ad for a stereo system, but you already bought one. Right. So obviously there's some holes in the system. And, and frankly, it's annoying. You know, I just made the commitment. I spent that. They should be trying to sell you CDs at this point. CDs or a warranty or something like right. that. Hey, you just bought that. But you can see how that loop isn't closed. Right. So, you know, that's some of the advantage to it. But to get back to your question, what are some of the advantages of small business? I mean, the big businesses are doing that. Right. Retargeting, saying, hey, you just browsed a stereo. Let me show you ads for stereos. You might have gone to the stereo shop and you'll see ads from the stereo shop. And that's Google tying right. that together. Right. But now when it gets really interesting is we can go to Bob's Stereo Shop. We see an ad competing with that. Mm-hmm. That would be an advantage to me. Right. And there are some certain ways that people have observed is if you search for something, even like airline flights, you can get a better deal by doing it in a certain way. Oh, really? Yeah. So if you search for this and then don't look for it for a day and then go back your rates will be a little bit different. And nobody knows what those are. They're very opportunistic. Yeah. But they are manipulating the pricing of that. Right. You can actually do this, which was, let's say you go in a perfect world, you go to Amazon.com, you see that the price of something is $100. Mm-hmm. Now, or you call up somebody in California, you know, that you'd pick out of the phone book, go to Amazon.com and search for products XYZ. Right. And they say it's $100. You then go to Jet.com. In search for product XYZ, and it says it's $100. Then you go to Amazon.com, and it says $95. Oh, wow. Right. They will respond in that way using big data. Right. Because they want to beat Jet, and they're willing to pay for it. So there's even the possibility, while you, of course, are being monitored by big data, to manipulate it for your own advantage. Absolutely, yeah. It's hard to know, because those are... Uh, very hard to discover those things. And usually you discover it in the midst of things. Right. See, now, the other thing can be that, let's say you went to Amazon first, saw it at $100. You go to Jet, you see it at $100. You come back to Amazon, they have no advantage of dropping the price. Right. Because they've already said it's $100. Right. That would look weird to you. So they don't drop the price, mm-hmm. hoping you'll buy through Amazon. Right, right. Which, you know, they have advantages because you know who they are, etc. Yeah. Now, bringing it down to a smaller business, we recently had a client who said they wanted to add some text to the front of their webpage. And I really was struck by, well, why didn't they look at the, I didn't use the term big data, but the analytics that they had. Right. Because 
you have a, a homepage is basically like a hurdle to get over. <laughs> right. You know, it's, it's really doesn't do too much, but it's really the test on whether somebody is committed and really interested in what you're saying or is not interested. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the ultimate, you know, walking by a store. Right. You know, you think of uh, walking by a physical store and you see in the window and you see something, why didn't you stop? Well, the reason you stopped is because you saw something interesting there. And you went to the next step. So they didn't ask that question. They just said, we want to put something new on our front of our website. Well, they should have at least said, what's our current metrics right. on our website? We're going to change this, whether it be from red to green mm-hmm. or from, you know, put a new text up there that says, you know, today only or whatever and see if that changes. Mm-hmm. That's a wise thing to do. But more so, it might have been better to say, where are people ending up? They come to our website. They engage. They make that commitment to come in. Let's put the new information that's really important there. Yep. And so that's one very simple, you know, type of big data. Another one, we have a client who has a, a service firm that does services for pregnant women and asked, where do your people come from? Are they coming from mobile devices or for desktops? Right. And they really didn't know. So with Google Analytics, and by the way, Google Analytics is a brilliant product. It's free. Yeah. So what's the rule here? Yeah. Who's the product? You're giving away... When you buy Google or use Google Analytics on your site, you're giving away information about the people that are coming to your website. So if you have an ice cream store and you put Google Analytics on it and they click on it and they go in and click on an article and read that, Google now knows, you do too, that the person with this IP address, likely in this area, this town, with this browser that uses a Mac, came to the site and read about ice cream. So now Google can now show you ice cream ads. Right. And so that's big data. Yeah. Google is making every dollar they make is based on big data. So all I think is, is that small businesses should be using the same thing that if they have a lot of people that are coming to their site and they look at the people that convert and they find out that everybody that converts is using a Mac. Right. Well, what's, what does that mean? Why is that? Right. And, you know, we, we'd have to take a sort of use case and mm-hmm. deconstruct it to really understand how what that meant. But we could do that even in a future show. So what are two or three things that small business owners and entrepreneurs can do to start using big data on their websites? The bottom line is, is they really need to become intimately familiar with their analytics. Google Analytics is great and easy to put in. You do need to make that emotional judgment. You need to make that philosophical judgment of whether you want to give away your data. There are other analytics packages which don't give data to Google, so you could use those as well. But the point is, is you need to look at it and you need to say, what am I trying to get people to do? You know, there's the big trend right now is one-page websites. Right. And they're great, and we can do some fancy JavaScript stuff to see what parts of the pages were viewed or displayed on the screen. We don't know whether they were read, but it really changes our analytic information, the depth of the information from an analytics point of view. Whereas on an older type website, if they clicked on more information or what colors are available, you know, to keep our color idea running, I'd know that they were interested in colors. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas in the scrollable website, I could see that they scrolled past colors. I might even be able to see that they scrolled, stopped, five seconds later kept going. But it's much harder. Right. Uh, So becoming intimate with your analytics, understanding what people are doing, and then 
starting to think about how do I, I'll use the the bad word for it, manipulate them mm-hmm. into doing what I want them to do. Now that might be, as my other friend that likes boats saying, is give me the information about boats mm-hmm. up sooner. And I can do that by understanding where they ultimately get to. Now having said that, it's really complicated to understand these things. So, you know, there's people like me and out there that we do that. We help you understand what it is that you're seeing. And we also ask you, why in the world did you do you want to do that? One of the holy grails that, that hasn't happened yet, there are people that are working night and day trying to figure out how to figure out to get a list of what you bought on your credit card. So right now, the, the credit card industry is based on 40-year-old, 50-year-old technology. Right. And it has to do with how much was it and did you have the money mm-hmm. and did you get the transfer of the funds working? It's clearing house really. Right. They I mean just never had the the comprehension to say, "Wait a minute. If I could get the fact that you bought Twizzlers and beer and bread and you do that every Friday, that's going to give me opportunity to market to you. Right. And that is the holy grail, is to figure out what you spent the money on. Now, there's right. there's two ways to do that. One is to get the store to give that to them. Mm-hmm. There's a whole bunch of privacy issues there. Right. Uh, AT&T Universal Card has a, when you register a purchase, they will tell you if it's cheaper for 90 days. Well, why are they doing it? Because they want a list of everything you buy. Right. Now, they aren't effectively using that because I just bought a new television. So I said, well, let me do that. And it was actually more of an experiment. So I registered the product, put in the model number and all that stuff. And I got a beautiful email the next day. We're hunting for a better price for you. Right. And it was $760 is what I bought it for. I entered that, let's say, on Tuesday. Wednesday, I get the thing. We're hunting for it. I went to Amazon to look. Just And it was $740. So it's twenty dollars. You know, they never came back and said, "Hey." Oh, interesting. You know, they didn't catch it. Now they may say, "Well, we we can't scan Amazon or whatever excuse they're going to say." Right. But they're fundamentally doing that. Right. So if they were to have done it, they would have refunded me twenty dollars. You know, and now after the ninety days is up, there's like, "Sorry, we didn't. You know, find a better price for you. Do it again." I don't think it's a scam. Yeah. But I do think the the incentive for them is, you know, certainly client retention. That's a neat feature. But it's also to profile me and mm-hmm. to say, well, he bought a television. So maybe in three to four years when technology has changed enough, we'll start telling him about TVs. Yeah. That's heavy, that's heavy lifting to do all that. You know, do I send him a flyer? Do I send him an email? What do I do with that? But that's the that's the holy grail. Yeah. You know, in one, one client we're working with, they are consultants and they have long-term lead nurturing a client doesn't come in and decide i'm going to buy from you today they've oh they've heard about that company they come to the website they want to feel good about that company they want it to be reinforced that this is a competent company in Mm -hmm. this market so all of those things are there well it would be nice to know that they're looking yeah to be able to measure that to say hey jack i saw you were looking at our our website or even if you meet them at a conference you know reinforce the things hey we got a great article up there about your market knowing that he's full well read it yeah yeah but you start a conversation that way you know so that kind of thing you've mentioned one thing that we can do for big data is there anything else sure as a small business or as a not a google what you can do one of the things that allows you to use big data to your advantage is facebook because you can target people in a certain town that are interested in a certain thing and that's why facebook is is worth what it's worth yep because I now have a description of the person that they've right. provided 
to say, I am interested in boating. And in fact, I'm interested in red boats. Right. So now this is a little bit of a silly example because that's not one of the segments in, in there. Boats is certainly. But if I make red boats, I can say anybody in Boston that right. likes red boats, show them my ad. Well, you can do that even to say anybody that lives in Boston within this zip code that works on a Mac that lives within, you know, X radius right. of the Mac st- of the Apple store and, you know, blah, blah, blah. You can target an ad down exactly to that right. person. Right. Now, this is called business to consumer, B2C. Mm-hmm. Now, LinkedIn is trying to be that for the B2B. Okay. But they haven't really gotten it there yet. Okay. So if I want to be basically find people who are executives and they're interested in buying life insurance for their employees, that's not really an attribute out there. I might, I certainly could go and send things to C-level executives in in my town and have that show up in LinkedIn. But again, see, there's not as much as that drive. Mm-hmm. People go to Facebook to see what their friends are doing. CEO doesn't go to LinkedIn necessarily every day to keep up on things. So that is, if you're a business to consumer, you can definitely target your ads with Facebook. It's a wonderful platform to do that. You can also do the same thing with Google AdWords, where basically they will show ads based on the words that people type into the the query. Yeah. What you're going to see over time is I want to be able to show my ads to people that are yeah. 18 to 24 and own their own car or have a lease. That kind of stuff right. will be coming for AdWords. The Edge of Innovation is brought to you in partnership with Savior Labs. Savior Labs exists to help businesses mature and strategize for the future. Learn more about Savior Labs at SaviorLabs.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Edge of Innovation, Hacking the Future of Business. For the show notes and more information about Paul, please visit paulparisi.com. The Edge of Innovation is produced by Jacob Young in conjunction with copious amounts of coffee. Music on today's episode was from bensound.com. Paul can be found on Twitter at pdparisi and on LinkedIn at linkedin.com slash pdparisi. This episode, like all our episodes, is transcribed and available at paulparisi.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.